Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So as the kids are being uh, dismissed back to their uh, classrooms, there's a few announcements. One is we have our Christmas Eve service uh, this coming weekend, obviously 6 p.m. here at the church. Um, We're not going to have kids ministry programming during that time because we want everyone to be together in this room, so it's going to be nice and cozy. So if you are a Southside regular, we're asking you to consider uh, just for that service um, filling the front pews, filling the front chairs first and really cozying up together uh, because it's probably going to be a full house. Uh, We will have goodie bags for the kids, um, and if you need to use one of the kids' ministry rooms, we'll have one of those open. Uh, We'll have probably the nursery room open for you to use during service if you need to, but it won't be staffed. Uh, We want everyone in here as much as we're able to have that. And then we're not having any service on Christmas morning. Now, I know there's a million opinions about this, and I, um, I feel like whenever I go online, people are shouting at me as a pastor for not having Christmas uh, service on Christmas morning, um, but uh, that's how we're going to do it. So we're not apologizing for it. We want you to be able to enjoy Christmas with your family. Uh, we still believe that Jesus is the center of this season. We're no less worshipful of Jesus, but we invite you to do that with your families on Sunday morning. So no Christmas morning service. Uh, first Sunday in January for us is a tradition um, of not having any music. So you guys get to listen to me talk like for an hour. I am so excited for this. This is my favorite service of the year. Um, Really, it's going to be a little bit shorter service, and it's going to be more of a workshop style. It's not going to be interactive. You don't have to say anything, but it's going to be more of a training in ministry type style service. So um, it's going to be very important. It's going to give a little little bit of a vision for where we're going this next year. So I hope you you can make it to that as well. We're looking at different characters surrounding the birth narrative of Jesus. This is our our Advent series this year. So Jesus is obviously the the centerpiece of this story of Advent. Jesus, um, the Word receiving a proper name. The Word becoming a person, Jesus. But surrounding him are some interesting characters that we've been examining, and this has been our, our Advent series this year. So last week we talked about Simeon, who was an older gentleman who spent a lot of time by the temple looking for the Messiah. He was a lay person. He wasn't like a priest or anything like that. He was just a normal person who the Spirit had given him a desire to see the Messiah, and he was enabled to see him, and when he held him in his hands, he, he basically said, I'm ready to die now because I've seen the salvation of my people. Uh, this week, we're going to look at Anna, and she's another older person in this story surrounding Jesus, and actually, the more important actor in this story isn't Anna. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be looking at some ways that the Holy Spirit was acting in that time and place through Anna to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. 
So we're, we're going to be talking a lot about the Holy Spirit today. And the Spirit was sent into the world to convict us of our need for God. The Holy Spirit was sent into the world to give us a desire to follow God because apart from the Spirit's work, none of us naturally are interested in the things of God. The things of God will feel boring and dry unless the Spirit is at work in us and then we'll just eat it up and we'll become more and more interested in the things of God. The Spirit is meant to help us recognize where God is at work in our lives And in the lives of people around us, the Spirit is at work. Um, Scripture says that God pours out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit gives us a, a love for one another. The Spirit produces fruit in our lives of um, love and joy and peace. And all these things, we become new people when the Spirit of God is at work in us. So God sent the Spirit into the world after Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. He Some would say that was the birth of the church, this day called Pentecost, while they were all praying together, and the Spirit came into the room like tongues of flames and made them into new people. And so we see in the New Testament people like Peter, who was insane and always putting his foot in his mouth and jumping before looking where he was going to land, and I can relate in a lot of ways to that version of Peter. But then we see, we read what he writes later in some letters that he wrote in the New Testament. And he he is a completely different person. Wise and careful, conscientious and bold. And it's because the Spirit of God came upon him. So we're examining Anna, but really looking through her life into what's happening beneath and behind the scenes in the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles with you today, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're just going to look at three verses today. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And there's a chance this will be a little bit shorter message. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm not big on just making up things to say um, just for the sake of talking longer. So if this is a little bit smaller message, I apologize ahead of time. I'm sure you'll forgive me. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Prophetess. That's important. That was interesting. Did everybody else hear that or was that just me? Sometimes I wonder, if, like, is someone speaking to me? God, I'm here. Your servant is listening. I thought you would sound a little different. Um, all right, as long as you guys heard that too. Prophetess, all right. It, that's an important detail because what it tells us is that the Holy Spirit was active in her life. That's a spirit-empowered ability. To be a prophet is to be like a voice screaming in the darkness telling people where the light of Christ is. To be a prophet is to speak authoritatively for God. It's to warn people back to relationship with God, back to faithfulness. It's to predict and tell what's going to happen in the future. This is not 
a power that someone can have apart from the Holy Spirit being active in their lives. So it's really, really important to notice that word, that we're talking about a prophet here. Now, why is it important to remember that this means that the Holy Spirit is active in her life? Well, think back to last week and look, to, look at Luke 2.25 and remember what we learned about Simeon. Luke 2.25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does it say? And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So the only two people to embrace Jesus at the temple were two people that Scripture makes a big deal out of pointing to the fact that they were filled, led, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The temple would have been filled at that time with religious people, with religious workers. But just because you're religious doesn't mean you're looking for Jesus. You know, I went to church, I've gone to church all my life. And probably for the first half of my life, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was more going because that's what you're supposed to do, that's what my family did, um, that was just part of the tradition of our household. We would go to church on Sunday mornings, but I wasn't actually going to church proactively looking for Christ. I just wasn't really all that interested. I just went to church, and sometimes there was something interesting that was said that sparked my curiosity or a song that captivated me in a unique way. But other than that, I wasn't really all that much looking for Jesus but remember what the Holy Spirit's part of his job is. And that is to put a spotlight on Christ. To draw people's eyes and attentions to Jesus. So if I was going to church regularly and not leaving with a deeper hunger to know Jesus, which was true for me, it meant one thing. I didn't have the Holy Spirit residing in me. Or I was rejecting his invitation toward Jesus because I wasn't ready for it yet. I remember a point in my life when I actually did surrender to Christ. I was sitting in my dorm room in college. I just found out, like I said last week, that one of my dear friends was, um, had cancer. I was watching my former team play on national television, and everyone was talking about, you know, how amazing Valparaiso was, and I was on a team in Hillsdale, Michigan that was small school, wasn't doing much, and my God was basketball. That's where I got my identity. That's where I felt like I had purpose and meaning in life. That's where I felt like if I could, I need to be able to walk into a room and be better than everybody else, at least one thing, that's called idolatry, and for me it was basketball. And I remember um, they were, Valparaiso was the nation's darlings, they were in the Sweet 16, they were highly touted, and um, I remember turning to David Letterman, because I was like, I'll be safe here, you know, he's not going to say anything about Valparaiso, and he said, how about them Crusaders, and I lost it, that was my former team. My idol was being put right in my face, and I remember getting on my knees 
and saying, I don't want to wear khakis the rest of my life, and I don't want to say things like golly gee and shucks and talk weird and be socially strange, but if this is real, if this is the real thing, I don't know where else to turn right now. And so I'm surrendering my life completely to you, Jesus. I'm surrendering. I can't control my life. It's out of my hands. And I'm surrendering my life to you. I remember I went home and I went to church with my parents. And I remember sitting up in the balcony and listening to the preacher. And for the first time, I was thinking, wow, that feels like he's talking to me which is the effect of the Holy Spirit. That feels actually relevant. I'm not trying to force myself to be interested. I'm not trying to force myself to follow along in the Bible. That actually has momentum and wind behind it. That's relevant to my life. That passage means something. What he's saying is means something. And I remember thinking, I wonder if he like got some extra training or something. Because he's, like, he's hitting it right now. It was the Spirit of God. The only thing that changed was I had given the Holy Spirit free access to my life and He's never turned back on me. So Scripture makes a point to help us see that the only people who recognized that the Messiah had shown up at the temple were the ones who had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us see Jesus for who he really is. The Holy Spirit is the one that actually makes Jesus relevant to our lives. Another thing that we see about Anna is she was advanced in years. And again, we talked about this last week, the importance of these characters surrounding the narrative of Jesus' birth being elders, people who had been searching for a long time to see him and to find him. But there's something else interesting about her. Let's keep reading the second half of verse 36. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So what that means is her husband died after they'd been married for only seven years. They probably got married, I'm assuming, around 15 or 16 back then. So she was 22 or 23 when her husband died. And now she was 84 and she remained a widow. She had been a widow for 60-some years. Now, it was unusual for widows to not get remarried back in that time, and what that tells us is that she must have been experiencing a different kind of companionship, a deep and profound intimacy with God who had drawn near to her through the Holy Spirit. And that companionship is what she feasted on for these 60 years. He was enough. Jesus had become real to her. God had become real to her through her interaction and connection with the Holy Spirit that was even more comforting than being married. And without the Holy Spirit sustaining her, there's no way she could have done that. In other words, for us, when our lives are empowered by the Holy Spirit, he gets us through things that would crush mere mortals. So I've used this illustration before, but it so aligns with this passage. 
It's that deep sea fish illustration. Um, There's this fish that lives way, 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 way down deep in the ocean. And it swims around, and every other living thing that lives at that depth would would be crushed. There's no way it could survive. It'd be crushed by the force of the pressure coming down on it because of the depth of the ocean in which it lives. There's there's not a lot moving around at that depth, but this one deep sea fish is somehow managing to survive at that depth under that much pressure. And so they did a study of this fish, and what they found was there's a gland on the inside of this fish that is pushing out an equal pressure to what's pushing in on this fish so that it isn't crushed. This gland pressurizes this fish so that it's equal to the moment. It's equal to the pressure coming in at it. The Holy Spirit does that for our lives. He makes us equal to the moment. Whatever it is we're facing, life isn't gonna get easier. We're not going to avoid suffering, but the Spirit of God makes us equal to whatever suffering we're facing. The nightmare scenario for a woman in that day was that her husband died while they were still young, but the Spirit rose to the occasion and made her equal to the moment and sustained her for 60 years. And whatever your nightmare scenario is today, the Spirit will rise to the occasion and make you equal to the moment. He will sustain you. The second part of verse 37 says that she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Here's another effect of the Holy Spirit on someone's life. There begins to grow in them an appetite for the things that will draw them closer to God. And when the Spirit is active in your life, you begin to prioritize things that increase intimacy with God. And these priorities probably won't make sense to other people. Like fasting was a weird thing. Fasting is a weird thing. Anna would go to the temple night and day. Some people even thought they had a room for her and that they took special care of her since she was a widow and that she lived and because she was a prophet. So some people think she actually lived at the temple. She was there all the time. She wanted to be where God was meant to represent himself to the world. And then she would fast and pray on top of that constantly. Fasting. Fasting is difficult. It, to me, is probably the most difficult spiritual discipline because nothing shakes up your system more than not eating. Your body begins to scream, I need food, I need to eat. And what fasting accomplishes in some ways is it transfers that hunger for food to hunger for God. It reminds you that you do not live on bread alone. You are not sustained by physical nourishment alone. You're sustained by the spirit of the living God. And fasting is meant to give you more of an appetite for spiritual things as you suffer this physical desire that's not being met. That's what fasting does. And it's weird. The Spirit of God is, if the Spirit of God is not active in me, opening me, my eyes to the benefits of that, I'm going to think that's very strange. 
I'm going to think that's a waste of time. I'm going to think that's unnecessary. But if someone hears about fasting and, this, and they're open to the Spirit of God and he's giving them that desire, you will want to do it. Because what you want more than anything else in the world is intimacy with Christ. And you know what the Bible calls people who want more than anything else in the world intimacy with Christ? Aliens. Because nobody else understands them. We are aliens for the sake of Christ. Prayer is another example. And she did this constantly. It's another thing that doesn't make sense apart from God. Why would you pray? I don't need to pray. I've got my life handled. I don't need any help. It's like it's a waste of time. You're literally, like if you would look at me and you don't understand the prayer thing and you see me during the week pacing up and down this, praying through the rows and praying through the individuals of this church and our shepherd team prays for you guys. Pastor Al prays for you guys. We have a lot of people praying for you guys and I would just pace up and down talking out loud speaking with God that doesn't make sense to someone who the spirit of God is not active and alive in it feels like a waste of time you're talking to a ceiling but I'm talking to the living king actually prayer makes a whole lot of sense for people who are open to the spirit's work in their lives but it makes very little sense for the rest of us who might not be. What's another thing that the Spirit might prioritize in our lives? And I also want to say that um, a church is a weird thing because I'm talking every Sunday morning to, to people who are on different ends of the spectrum of where you're at spiritually. So you might be hearing this message and thinking to yourself, I don't think the Spirit's active in my life because I think all that stuff is weird and I'm not sure if I should be here. And I want to say to you, please do be here. Because what happens is over the course of years, it usually doesn't happen suddenly, but over the course of years, something, the Spirit often gets inside of you in a way that makes you see your need for Him. Don't stop coming. And I want this to be a place where if you're on this side of the spectrum and you're excited about fasting and you're on this side of the spectrum and you think that person's weird because they're excited about fasting, fasting, what would it look like for us to be a church community that just doesn't judge one another where we're at on the spiritual journey? Doesn't condemn one another. Doesn't look down at other. There's not an elite class of super spiritual people here. What if we just saw ourselves, we're all on the journey together and some of us have just been walking a little bit longer than others on this journey. And that's okay. I felt like I needed to say that. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, you're welcome. Be here. Be with us. You're loved. You're seen. And we're all trying to do that better. What's another thing that the Spirit might prioritize in our lives that won't make sense to someone who is resistant to the Spirit? We see Anna fasting and praying. What about reading the Bible? Imagine two people sitting at a table next to each other. And one is, has yielded their lives and surrendered their lives to God. And the Spirit is active in them. The Spirit is alive in them. They're giving the Spirit full access to their lives. And the other person is just not there yet. It's okay. They're just not there yet. I'm still a little skeptical. I don't know about this. And you put a Bible in front of each of them. Well, 
first half of my life, if I'm sitting here and I'm not really into this, this isn't my bag, this is strange, I would look at the Bible and open it up and think, that's kind of weird, irrelevant, dull, it says strange things, I'm more humanistic, I'm more, you know, I determine my own life, I'm in charge of my own life, I don't surrender to nobody, you know, I, that's interesting, Jesus was a cool guy, I'll give you that, but he definitely wasn't resurrected, I don't believe in some father in the sky, cool, I'm not that into it, it's a little dry, but you put that Bible in front of someone who is filled with the Spirit of God, and they open it, and it becomes alive to them. It genuinely becomes spiritual nourishment that they depend on, that they need. They're reading a passage, and it just zings with relevancy. It's the difference between the Spirit being active in us and the Spirit not being active in us. When the Spirit lives in you, he gives you an appetite for the things that will increase your intimacy with Christ. Verse 38. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, when the Spirit is alive and active in you, you speak freely about what God is doing in your life and what he's offering to the world. You talk about Jesus. And the longer you're with him, the more you can't not talk about Jesus. You're grateful for him. You're grateful for the things that he's doing in your life. You're grateful for the ways he's sustaining you. You're grateful for the ways that he's walking with you. You know, if you've been walking with someone over the course of years and you, you never hear them talking about God with gratitude, about what he's done in their lives, and we don't need to be legalistic about this, but that's possibly an indicator that the Spirit is either not residing them or that they're resisting the Spirit's work in some way. Because remember, a large part of the Spirit's role is making much of Jesus, putting a spotlight on Jesus. So when he is in you, he's at work putting a spotlight on Jesus. You are seeing more and more where he's at work in your own life, and you're seeing more and more what he, where he's at work in the world around you, and you're speaking that, you're talking about that. You're sharing that with other people. Ephesians, in Ephesians, I believe, 5, Paul talks about what does it look like to be spirit-filled and you're speaking peace. You're singing, you have a song in your heart, you're speaking in psalms with one another. There's songs of praise that just naturally come out of you. So here we see Anna, she comes to the temple, she encounters the baby Jesus, and she begins to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Human beings have two roles in the world. We have two roles, and they're both empowered by the Spirit. You can't do it without them. If you try to do it without yielding your life to the Spirit, it's going to be forced and unnatural and mean and legalistic. But our two roles are this. We're worshipers and we're witnesses. And both are empowered by the Spirit. To be a worshiper means... You talk to God 
about him. You talk to God in prayer and you thank him for the things that he's done in your life. You praise God through song. You're enjoying God through talking about his attributes. You're enjoying God by reminding yourself and God what he's done for you. You're depending on him more and more. You're surrendering to him more and more. That's what a worshiper does. A witness talks to others about God. A worshiper talks to God about himself. And a witness talks to others about God. Those are the two roles that we have in life, and those are both empowered by the Spirit. Application. Perhaps you're listening to this and you're thinking, I want a deeper connection with God. I want that. I'm open to that. I'm open to being open to the Spirit. I want to recognize Jesus and his activity in my life. What's the answer to that? The answer is more of the Holy Spirit. So how do you get more of the Holy Spirit? Turn ahead to Luke chapter 11 because Jesus tells us later in this, chapter, in this book, Luke chapter 11, verses nine through 13. Here's how we get more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It doesn't involve turning really dramatic, emotive music up really high. It doesn't involve rolling around on the ground begging the spirit to take over your life. It doesn't around, involve running around the room with a, with a flag. It doesn't involve purchasing a blessing by watching some evangelist on TV. That's not how you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's much easier than that. Luke chapter 11, verses nine through 13. This is Jesus talking to you personally. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will instead give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Apparently, we can ask for more of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. Apparently, we can ask that He would change our heart and our values and our priorities. Apparently, we can ask that He would restore our souls and heal us where we're broken. What you need more than anything else in the world, what I desperately need more than any of you is the empowering presence of the Spirit of God or else I will be intolerable as a person. You plus the Holy Spirit makes you equal to anything that happens in this life. 
You plus the Holy Spirit makes you become more and more like Jesus the older you get. We're all becoming gradually either the worst version of ourselves or the Spirit-empowered, Christ-like, beautiful version of ourselves. We're either becoming more and more hard, difficult, scary, or we're becoming gentle, kind, joyful. You're not neutral. You're not staying in the same place. Apart from the Spirit, you're going that way. There's just no way of avoiding it. No matter how much you meditate, no matter how much whatever breathing exercises, whatever you do, you're going that way. But with the Spirit of God, you're going that way. You're becoming Christ-like. Here's what I want to do, and I'm going to ask the, the Michael and Kara to come up now. I want to introduce you to a, pray that, a prayer that I pray every day. It's, I start by confessing to God my inadequacy as a person, and there's a lot of them. I confess what life would be like for me apart from the Holy Spirit, and I just name some of these things out. And then I talk about what life could be like with the empowering presence of the Spirit, and with, God, with the Spirit's activity in that part of my life, pointing me to Jesus. And so I want to pray that for us as a church right now. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And why don't you actually, why don't you stand up so that after this you can, we can sing together. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to lead us in this prayer by way of an example for you that you can take this tool and begin to pray this way as well. Every day, this is how it starts for me. Father, apart from your spirit, I'm going to be self-obsessed rather than you obsessed, rather than being able to love others. Apart from your Holy Spirit, I'm going to be impatient and easily offended. But with the help of your Holy Spirit, I will have patience, kindness, humility, gentleness. Apart from your Holy Spirit, I'm not going to want to pray. I have an allergic reaction to the idea of prayer. And I want to stay away from it. But with the help of your Spirit, you woo me into the warmth of your presence through prayer. Apart from your spirit, I'm going to open up scripture and it's going to feel like a dead thing sitting in front of me that somehow I have to dissect like a dead frog on a table, a lab table, to get something out of it. But with the help of your Holy Spirit, the ever-present voice of Christ speaks to me through your word. Apart from your Holy Spirit, I will have no interest sharing and talking about what you are doing in my life, how you're saving me through Jesus. But with the help of your Spirit, I won't, help, I won't be able to help but speak how you saved my life and how you are saving my life. Apart from your Holy Spirit, I will become hard-hearted with the help of your spirit, I will become gentle and wisdom and wise and winsome and gracious. 
apart from your spirit, I won't be a good husband. I will be impatient. I won't be a good father. I won't be investing in my daughters. I will be ordering them to comply rather than compelling them to know you with the help of your spirit. I will be helpful and I will be fruitful and I will be loving to the people around me. Most importantly, my family. Would you fill me afresh? Would you fill us afresh as a church with the Holy Spirit and point us to Jesus? And it's in his strong name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.